Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. Two o'clock in New York, where I have host and author Allie Rosen. She is for a potluck with Allie in New York City. I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. This is fun. This is going to be a great time. We're going to talk about food culture, something that you know better than most with your TV series, with the blog, with the brand work that you do. But I want to set the table for people because we have 25 minutes and you do a lot of cool shit. So setting the table for people from looking at biscuit recipes, which my wife Betsy is literally downstairs right now making and recording a a video or doing a Zoom call with the boys baking banana bread muffins. So she loved your biscuit recipe. And I think we're going to do biscuits to you're going into professional kitchens and kind of getting an inside glimpse of how they're creating some of your favorite products across New York City to Italian pasta makers to I loved you getting Tom Calicchio to say that Charleston, your hometown, was the best place to film Top Chef to the the more current like book tour film tour type stuff that I saw, uh, Samin uh, Nazrat from Fat Acid Salt Heat. I'm totally fucked up that order, didn't I? It's the same everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, to being on Dr. Oz again and again and again, and I saw a clip of you talking about the uh, takeaway items, kind of the to-go boxes and thinking yeah. thoughtfully about that. So, I mean, how do you do, <laughs> how do, you do all that, first of all, and just thinking about, how you communicate all of these different things to an audience. I mean, for me, it's just being excited about food constantly. And, you know, what I like is that there's so many, I think that a lot of people in food, they get put into a specific box, you know, like you are a beer person or you are a baking person. When actually like people who love beer also love pasta, people who love pasta also, you know, love farming and herbs and, you know, there's, there's everyone, you know, it's like the I contain multitudes thing. I mean, everybody has a lot of interest. So I feel really lucky that, you know, on my show, um, which airs on public television in New York, I'm interviewing chefs, you know, on social media, I'm often the one cooking and sharing recipes and those recipes go on my blog. Um, you know, same with my cookbook, that's me cooking. Um, you know, Dr. Oz is coming at it from a more journalistic background. You know, it's, we cover really sort of health and safety and food. And that's sort of my role as, um, I don't know, my title there is like food investigator. So, um, you know, it'll be things like, you know, when the romaine lettuce recall happened a few months ago, you know, I'm talking to experts when it's people have questions about meat safety or egg safety or how to look, you know, a lot of my role there is just like, look at your ingredients on the packages, everyone, like look at what's in it. Um, but so I feel like for me, I, my role is just to nerd out about food in whatever capacity I can. And that's great. <laughs> and is that by your design, is that what's been asked of you, a combination of both? Yeah. I mean, I think as, you know, most people who live a world of, you know, working for themselves, it's, 
some of it has been things that fall in your lap. Some of it has been things that I've pushed for. I mean, anybody who works in media knows there are there are certain projects that I've worked on for years and years and years that have never seen the light of day. And there are other things where somebody calls me up and says, can you do this? And, you know, within five minutes, I have some huge thing. I mean, the number of failures in media and in food, I mean, I think for every chef that has a, you know, that gets a dish that's reviewed perfectly, right. there's 50 others that were terrible or mediocre. So, yeah. I and mean, so for me, my career has really just been like, do you know study the things that I love and push towards it and try to jump on every opportunity because yeah I could just talk about food all day so that's what I do I love it so when when we got connected and shout out to Linnea Covington yeah. one of my favorite writers yeah. she's she's the best yeah and yeah. uh and, and, so she and, and kind of you know had watched your show before, had known about you, had seen you on Dr. Oz and a few different things. Yet I was like refamiliarizing myself. And I was like, this girl does all of it. She is everywhere doing everything. And so not only was I entertained by it and learned things from it purely from the transaction of consuming your content. However, what I'm most interested now thinking about you, talking to you a little bit is you have so much of a 360 degree view and perspective, so many different angles, where to your point, a lot of us, myself included, get very tunnel vision in kind of our lane within food, beverage, hospitality. So now in this moment, as everything is thrown, thrown into upheaval, even my speaking is thrown into upheaval, how are you thinking about this? Where's your, where's your head at for maybe a macro? And then let's maybe drill down on a couple of specifics. Yeah, I mean, the macro part of it for me is like, where can I help? Um, you know, I, everybody that's asked me to do anything charitably or for the industry, I'm saying yes. You know, I'm using social media to continually call out people to you know shop at farmers markets, buy from restaurant suppliers, support your local restaurants. Um, you know, those types of things are huge right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, you know, I mean, a lot of my income has been pushed off, but my husband has a normal job. So, you know, we're fine in that realm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that for a lot of people who love food right now, who are sort of watching and waiting, it's finding out where you can be helpful. So if you're someone who doesn't have the financial ability to help out, you know, but you live alone or you live with people that are low risk, like, you know, go donate your time, go deliver meals to elderly people. I mean, it's really food security right now is a huge thing. And then teaching people how to cook. I mean, it's amazing how many friends I have who are not in the food industry who have never asked me a cooking question in my life and suddenly, um, you know, are very interested in cooking. So I think a lot of it is like, for me right now, it's like, how can I be helpful both in that larger sense of like, if somebody says like, can you put your voice, you know, a lot of suppliers and people that I know are like, hey, we're now doing direct to consumer. Can you just put that on social? like? absolutely and spreading that word and then it's also like helping people learn how to cook in a very different environment than what they're used to cooking in you know? i think that's interesting i just imagine people reaching out to you who've never cooked before who you know can't can't make a bologna sandwich and they're like tell me about pot of pho have you ever <laughs> uh braised short ribs they, they like go they, they see these things that maybe you've done or they've seen yeah. shows of or, or they're like, and they go going straight to the big leagues you're like yeah. How about you start? How about we start you off with some biscuits? How about you know, I'm hoping that this 
um, quarantine, like the thing that people will take from it that is positive is that I think a lot of people feel like recipes are an exact, I mean, with baking, it's often an exact science, but I, I think people are starting to realize how much you can swap things. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that's what people take away because everyone's like, whoa, in this recipe, I didn't have this and I added this. And I'm like, yeah, you can do that with any recipe that's not like a pure, like a souffle, you know, like it's okay. And so, I mean, hopefully people are taking that away. But yeah, I've been posting a lot of, for baking, like I don't get involved in like multi-tier cakes and things. It's like, I am a scones and biscuits kind of person. So I've been, those are my, that's my baking realm, which, you know. Good realm to be in. People are doing that and banana bread, which is, you know, your kids are getting involved in. I feel like banana bread's having its own. I can hear my eldest son yelling. He's He's got his dad's problem of, of over amplification of his voice. I can hear him down there yelling. I love it. It's amazing. And so, so I'm very interested in in this dynamic in in cooking right now when people are cooking, because to your point of the sh friends that know nothing about cooking and they rely on you, we're doing like a daily check in. Like tonight, we're cooking Moroccan. I'm making a big batch of haria, one of like my favorite soups, chicky lentil, all that, because we're supporting dinner and a movie from the Flatirons Film Food Film Festival, which is doing a digital showing tomorrow. And local restaurants are doing custom Moroccan dishes. So anyway, I got into it. Tonight, we're going to show people Moroccan dish and promote that event tomorrow. Now, that being said, we've been doing that a lot. And I'm making Thai curry. And people are like, what do I do with the Thai curry? I'm like, you put it on rice. But you do have to kind of tell people a little bit. So do you mm -hmm. find yourself having to take a step back from knowing it all and being able to say, you just put it on rice, salty like the ocean when you're doing your pasta, like simple things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the basics, you know, I think what's hard for a lot of people with now, you know, I'm seeing so many of my favorite chefs like cooking live on Instagram because they have nothing else to do. But like, I think that perspective is hard for a lot of chefs because the basics feel like such innate knowledge. And you have to remember that people are coming at it from every level now. It's not just people that are normally interested in food. Um, you know, I've been doing a daily live at 1145 a.m. Um, East Coast time on Instagram Live of 15 minute meals. And that's become like my daily thing. And people are like, oh, I can't believe, you know, today we did like a tagine like dish, speaking of Moroccan food, where like right. we don't have the tagine, you know, pot. We don't have, we're not, you know, simmering the meat for three hours. But it's like, if you take ground meat and you put those spices in, like you'll get something pretty good in 15 minutes, you know? So that's been my like main thing that I've been doing is trying to do like very easy, but still delicious. And also teaching people about ingredients that are really sort of one-stop shop ingredients. Like if you have miso paste or you have tamarind or you have harissa, like some of these things can be like, just put this one thing on and you'll have a meal, you know? So I think a lot of it is just going back to the basics. And then I think people who cook a lot are also learning how to meal plan, how to make most of their ingredients, how to buy sort of pantry items and fresh items. I mean, it's changing the way everybody cooks. So we have to sort of adapt to that. I I think we're finding our way to the middle. There's a simplification from chefs where it's like, dude, just get them something delicious that may inspire them a little bit. So to your point, Tajin opens up the conversation about Morocco, an unbelievable food culture that we don't talk about in this country really at all. And simple that they can actually achieve it so you're creating this minor miracle in that right, moment right. so chefs are coming to the middle and then home cooks or the lack thereof home cooks yeah, are coming to the middle. Right. 
appreciate that in this moment. Here's another thing I'm interested in from you just being so connected with chefs and the industry as a whole. The industry has been very scared of technology. We demonize social media all the time. What are people doing in my restaurant? Just taking pictures of the food. They're promoting your restaurant to thousands and thousands of people. You're welcome. Marketing, look it up. And, and now they're, they're reaching out to me all the time going, Hey man, how do I do like a Facebook live? I was like, <laughs> simple, write this down. G O O G L E do it. It'll tell you what to do. And so I like that as well. All of a sudden now coming out of this, I hope we're able to have deeper conversations versus transactional. Hey, look, we did this dish, come buy it, but actually creating depth of story. Have you, have you seen that? Are you noticing that at all? Yeah, well, I think that what's really incredible about this moment is that I think chefs and restaurants are harnessing, yeah, all of those things that a lot of them typically ignore, um, which is the noise and all the, you know, it's, it's chefs are often cooking for, you know, they want the they want the good reviews and they and they're cooking for the industry, you know, like I think most chefs, the people that they're most excited to cook for are pe other people in the industry, and now what I think a lot of people are realizing is that. That community that you've built, um, you know, if you've built it well, will be there for you. And the way to access those people is through social media and is through technology. You know, I, I think a lot of chefs now have found that, like, oh, when they've started auctioning off things, or when they've started, you know, doing um, employee relief funds. I mean, it's it's amazing the response because I think all of us, you know all people, not just people in the industry, want to see our favorite restaurants come back. And if you want your restaurants to come back, then you need to support them right now, you know? So it's, um, and in whatever ways you can. And I, and I think that's that's the middle ground that's hard is that obviously everybody is in a very different place. And of course, for so many of my friends in the industry, it's like, those are the first people that always donate to charities that always jump in. Like they're the first, like restaurants are the first people to ask, to be asked. And they're the first people to give. And now and I think a lot of people are in this weird position of having to ask back. And I, I've been really heartened by seeing how much people have given back. I mean, I have a friend today who's a cheesemonger who just got a $500, you know, relief check. I don't, I mean, you know, just from one of these nonprofits, that's organizing funds. And for her, that's like, you know, a life changing at this particular moment. And so I think people don't quite realize that like every person you know across the whole spectrum of the industry needs help right now. And a lot of people can't work and they would be the first people working, you know? So it's just trying to find the ways to connect. And I think the positive is that now a lot of people are seeing how much their community is there for them. Uh, two things I'm really struck by when I hear you talk. One, the amount of giving in the hospitality industry is unbelievable. They're the most, I mean, you know, statistics, 25% of the unemployed right now are in hospitality yeah. numbers. are Massive, 15.6 million people work in this industry. And that's just in the industry as it's categorized. If you talk about farmers and you extend that supply right. chain I mean. and all that, it's it's massively depleted right now. Yet the first thing they're doing is saying, how do we feed people? How do we mobilize? How do we start feeding frontline? I mean, it's unbelievable. So that I really love. And I really want to talk about the economics that you just, just touched on because it is really important. And there's a couple of people that have said things that stuck with me. One prolific beer writer, Joshua Bernstein right there in Brooklyn talked about, he's like, I 
personally am surviving one sentence at a time. I was like, I love it. You're such a writer. And he's like, and I'm helping the five breweries in my area, one coffee mug at a time. He literally goes and they'll fill up his coffee mug with some craft beer. It's like one at a time is what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and another beer guy, beer guys are very eloquent. Chris Shields from Rheingeist in Cincinnati said, you've got to spend your money now where you want to spend it later. And I was like, yes, you yes, really, yes. if you want them to be here for you in the future, you have to spend that money now. And so talk about that a little bit. You mentioned farmer's markets as well. Give us a little rah-rah right now like to support the people that matter. Yeah, I mean, I think what's really interesting is that a lot of people don't understand the supply chain. So it's not just about restaurants. Like you're, like most great restaurants are great because they get better products than you could ever get. And now suddenly those products are available to consumers in a way that they have never been before because all the best products go to restaurants first because, you know, farmers and growers, I mean, they love working with chefs more than anyone else and it's, they can do big orders and right now i mean it's amazing you know in new york um you know i've been ordering a lot from baldor which is a restaurant supply company and they have so you know they support so many local farms and so many local artisans i mean i got local pasta local meat local produce i mean local cheese everything across the board and so if you can find restaurant suppliers in your areas that have pivoted now to selling to consumers that's a great way to support local because those restaurant suppliers are often the gateway to a lot of the farmers and artisans in your area. Um, and farmers markets, you know, it, all across the country, it's been different. I mean, in New York, they've put up unbelievable social distancing guidelines at our farmers market where, you know, you don't touch the produce anymore. You go up and you you ask for what you want. They get it. They're wearing masks and gloves. You know, they have little boxes drawn on the ground for you to stay six feet away and wait in line. I mean, it's amazing. And it's so funny to me that people keep being like, well, how is that open? I'm like, how is the grocery store open? Like, this is so much safer. And and a lot of the things that aren't available, again, with the supply chain piece of this, you know, uh, a, a local farmer who mills their wheat and makes flour is not having the supply chain disruption that is happening. You know, what's often happening, I think that people don't realize is like, okay, so, you know, you have wheat being grown in one part of the country. I mean, let's just talk about domestic food production. Let's not even get into the international side of it. But you know, somebody's growing wheat in Iowa, it is then milled in a different state, and then it is packaged often in a different state. And then that packaging, it'll often be packaged into huge bags and then get packed into smaller bags. And especially like wheat that typically goes in a giant bag to a restaurant can't now just suddenly they can't make a new bag to then, oh, say, oh, well, it went to a restaurant. Now it goes to a consumer. I think people aren't quite realizing like why the supply chain breaks down. It's really about packaging and you know distribution. And so when you look at something in a farmer's market, you don't have any of that as an issue because they're already set up to go directly to the consumer. So supporting your local farmer's market is about having that product later, but it's also just, it's better for you. you know. So right now, I mean, use the system to your own advantage. You know, um, a lot of Alaskan, you know, seafood that normally goes to restaurants and a lot of Maine seafood, um, you know, all this amazing product that usually goes to restaurant, you can now order and they can overnight to you and you can buy a bunch of stuff and freeze it. I, I don't know. See, like, I'm, it's like, you know. I love I'm it. Let's it. go. Like, let's do Instead it. Where of- do I sign? What do I do? I'm into it. Here's, yeah. Here's a couple of things. Again, you're. You're getting me going. I love it. This is why I love doing this. This is why I need this show. I need this interaction because right now I'm going to run downstairs and be like, you know what Allie and I talked about, Betsy? I'm fired up. Let's go to a farmer's market. 
shit, there is no farmer's market. What do we do? So I'm really, really into that at a high level and in the small. I also think about it from a pure safety standpoint. We sometimes think that these bigger companies have all of these systems in place to create safety. They have so many systems in place because they're so vulnerable to so vulnerable. vulnerable. And so when I think about what the scenario you just laid out, there's 378 people that touch that product. And if contact with people is what's spreading this virus, I think about that farmer, two people touch that product. Oh yeah. The woman that I buy milk from, we were laughing. She's like, I live a life of social isolation anyway. I live on a farm. She's like, and I'm the one, like I bottled this milk and I brought it to you and I'm handing it to you. So you know, I think people sort of assume a certain level of safety. You know, when they go to the farmer's market, they're like, ah, there's dirt on my, you know, produce. It's like, well, there was dirt on your other produce too. They've just sanitized it in a different way. It doesn't make it cleaner or safer. And it just means more hands are touching it. So, yeah. you know, when there's big salmonella outbreaks, it's not from the farmer's market. It's from giant production of spinach that goes into bags. So very aware of it. Oh, yeah, we've got a tiny person. I think it's time for your call, for your school call. So say <laughs> hi. Don't pick your nose. And uh-huh. Almost two thirty. So go do your call. Hey, buddy. Quick. Uh-huh. Go do uh huh. I love it. It's real life, Allie. It's real life right now. I mean, I do the eleven forty-five lunch with him because it's like everyone's like, "Oh, that's so cute that you're like including your son." I'm like, "No, it's not like I have a choice. Like, <laughs> it's so cute. Like he's here. He's a real person, and he's now." Here, 24 hours a day. Yeah. So. Clever brand positioning that I'm going to use the adorableness of my kid to <laughs> be able to amplify my message. He's just stuck on my hip right now, people. Like, I have no yeah. choice. I mean, it's been really funny because, you know, I, I I have three kids and I, um, you know, never, I, I really, really wanted to avoid the like, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I'm just, it's not my interest, like parenting and sure cooking for kids and especially because I don't do cooking for kids. I just cook and my kids have to eat what is there. Um, But it's funny now because it's like everyone who tried to be like, I am a professional and my kids aren't involved in my work. It's like you see them running in the back. I mean, every industry, not just food. So it's, I think it's uh, maybe it'll help people sort of recognize that we don't have two lives. You know, we have one life and the kids are part of it and you know, we can be professional too, hopefully. Yeah, I think again, it's moving. It's moving to the middle in the sense that like the things that we produce that are polished and pretty aren't polished and pretty. We're just putting it in that form to make it the simplest for you to be able to take it in and do what you will with that information, that inspiration. And so I like the fact that you get to see. It's like the best part of a Jackie Chan movie is the outtakes at the end. Like maybe that's the only good part of a lot of those mid '90s movies that he did. And so. It's it's just real. People appreciate that. People are gonna message me left and right, be like, "Why wasn't that kid in the entire video? He was adorable." So, well, if they uh, want him, you can find him on Instagram now. There you go. Every day. So, again, as communicators, we need this type of banter. We need the conversations. We need to be of service. We need to be able to use our voices to communicate. Yeah. Give me an idea of of maybe coming back at us. Who are some of the people that you've talked to throughout the years? I just really need to talk to them again as soon as this is over because they so inspire me. Who are a couple of those people? Well, right now, the people that are inspiring me are the people who are jumping into action. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, there's the Independent Restaurant Coalition, which has like come up out of nowhere. And it's, you know, like big, you know, big names like Andrew Zimmern and names that maybe people are 
getting more familiar with, like Kwame Onwachi. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are using their voice and their space to raise money and to do good. Um, and so I've been really inspired by those people and doing good can, you know, again, I think a lot of people feel like, well, I don't have money to give, so I have nothing to do. And, you know, Kwame today is delivering meals and cooking in Harlem. I mean, you know, Marcus Samuelson's another person who's been delivering meals, you know, using his organization. I mean, Jose Andres is like the gold standard for everyone in the hospitality industry right now to use you know, his voice to do things. But I mean, it's amazing, you know, a few weekends ago, I did a fundraiser where I was just doing Instagram lives um, with chefs and well-known people. And it was amazing to me how everybody that I reached out to just automatically said, yes, like if we are raising money and we are gonna do any amount of good, like great, you know? So it's, um, I, I've been so lucky to interview so many people that I admire. Um, and a lot of that admiration comes from people being great chefs. Not every great chef is a good communicator, which, you know, shouldn't be a requirement, but I guess now it kind of is. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm just really, I mean, it's called the hospitality reason, hospitality business for a reason. And I mean, even brands that we wouldn't think of, like the Four Seasons gave over their entire hotel in New York. Hospital workers who either couldn't go home or were coming in from out of state. And so, you know, when you think about these brands, it's, you know, we think of a brand as standing for something in its everyday life. Obviously, the Four Seasons, you know, stands for a certain level of elitism, good, good and bad, right? Like if you want to have a special occasion or fancy. And they've turned themselves into a dormitory for hospital workers. So I think that when all of this is over, I'm excited to support people that were supportive of the industry. You know, I'm, I want to put my money into places, you know, like Hugh Atchison has been huge about um, talking about Georgia and saying, like, I'm not going to reopen until it's safe for my employees. I don't care about my bottom line. I mean, those are the people that I want to support um, yeah. because everybody can do something right now. And, you know, you have to use your voice to do something that brings some level of positivity, even if that isn't money, even if you're around me, you know, like I have three children at home, I cannot go out and deliver meals, I would like to, but I can't. So okay, what are the things that I can do, you know, and that's, so everybody can find a way to be involved. And then someday soon, we'll get back to normal conversations just about like, how best to use a scallion, you know? <laughs> what is a scallion? It's the difference between a scallion and green onion. I think it's important. I, I think thinking about you and as a communicator and doing the, the Instagram live. And, and I've even thought about that as like, are these things that I'm doing, are they frivolous? Do they matter in this moment? And I'm always like, they do matter because even if seven people watch that Instagram live or 7,000 people watch it and two of them take an action because you talked about where you got this piece of produce and go and buy produce from their farmer that ripple like extends forever. It is in perpetuity because it creates positivity. And so I, I've been stealing the words. I've been talking about spreading positivity and making it infectious because that's what the hospitality industry does. It's well, right. It's like what we're built to do, you know? And I think a lot of people say like, oh, well, I only have so many followers or I only have this. And it's like, people are much more likely to take the advice of people that they know. So if you find out information, share it with people. If you find out, oh, this, you know, amazing farmer is now, you know, doing farm share boxes and they'll deliver it to you. Just post that. And you're doing some good by promoting your local economy, which needs you so much more than Amazon needs you. And listen, like, I'm very grateful for Amazon. Of course, yeah. 
always, but I mean, at the moment, you know, everyone is rushing to the big box things because it feels familiar and safe. And actually what you should be doing is whatever money you have to spend and whatever money you have to support, really try to put it back into your community because those people are all working so hard to either do like takeout and delivery or to sell merch or just to have employee funds. I mean, whatever you can do, you know, find ways to do it because that's, I mean, our industry, I mean, I saw something like the James Beard Foundation did a poll that 80% of restaurants don't know if they're going to survive this. I mean, 80%, even if that number gets to 50%, I mean, can you imagine 50% of the restaurants in your area closing? It's, it's, it's so astounding that it's almost unfathomable. And I think because of that, people don't believe it. But the thing is, at the end of the day, like so many restaurants are not going to reopen. So many companies are going to go under. And the only way that we can stop our favorites from getting lost in that shuffle is if we support them now. Yeah. And, you know, we call them unsung hospitality heroes. That is like who I'm always trying to communicate with and for and on the behalf of all of that. And so talk about that, where go spend money somewhere where you know somebody, even if that ends up being you, you go to your Kroger store or whatever your, your whole foods or anything like that. If you know a human that works there, you're helping support that individual job. If you know a human that actually owns that product and is a part of creating it even better, but just know, be connected to humans in this moment is going to be, one of the most important things. Allie, give us any last thoughts that you have. I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm like, my blood is pumping now. I'm fired um, up. And and then I want to get a couple of playlist items from you. But any last yeah. thoughts that you have? I mean, my last thought, it's just, it's all these things. It's support local and just go online. I mean, look, you know, restaurants that you don't follow. You know, I'm not a big like a follower of brands and things like that, but go start following people because you can see what you can do. And a lot of that is just sharing information. So even if you are in a financial situation where you cannot buy stuff, share information. You know, that's that's a huge help to people. I love that. That was a great mic drop last thought. Playlist items. What, what are you listening to, reading, watching, doing with the kids? What's keeping you having those moments of levity, laughing, learning, whatever that is for you? Yeah, well, I was saying to you before this, I've started rewatching The Office because it's just so absurd and delightful. Um, I'm listening to Trevor Noah's book, which, um, you know, if you read a book about apartheid, it makes quarantine seem not so bad. So um, yeah. his book, Born a Crime, is great. Um, I, I read A Little Life, which is the most also. And yeah, I guess I've just been reading really depressing books. And then, you know, and then I've been reading like very light books. Like I read, um, you know, The Two Lives of Lydia Bird or something, which is kind of like a you know, chick lit type thing. And then for listening, I'm really into Fiona Apple's new album, which I guess like ages me and says exactly the generation uh, I'm from. But, you know, and Frozen 2. I listen to a lot of Frozen 2, which I have to tell you, Frozen 2, you know, has a song about um, do the next right thing. Next right thing. You know, it's like that that song. Oh, yeah. And um, this will all make sense when I'm older. Just gives me a great laugh. So I have to say, yeah, Frozen 2 might be the, into the unknown. I mean, it's really very relevant. <laughs> I, this is like a, a full circle moment. I've been, I always, I'm just like always little quick sayings and stuff. It's like my thing and, and people make fun of me and then they say it again later and I'll pull them from so many zeitgeist places. And 
Jason Stanhope, James Beard award-winning chef from Fig in your hometown. And I was a good friend of mine. We worked together when we were like 23-year-old punk kids. And, right? And we talked. And then we got into talking about family and kids and stuff. And he geeks, he watches the Kardashians. And we were talking about that. And then it came up. And I was like, look, Disney, I'll, I'll pull all kinds of, of sayings from them. And we talked about that saying, do the next right thing from Frozen 2. So what a way to end talking about Frozen 2. Do the next right thing is actually from AA. <laughs> and yes. they stole it for Frozen 2. Yes. <laughs> Which I find is the most amazing thing. It all comes back to alcohol eventually. Of course. Yes. Disney and alcohol. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. You got to keep the parents occupied as they're gouging their <laughs> eyes out with with all of that. So I love it. My two boys love Frozen too. We watched uh, Onward, which is supposed to be the boys version. They're like, nah. I'm, yeah. Frozen. I'm like, I'm with you. I know. My son is like obsessed with Frozen too. And I'm like, you know what? This is great. Like, this is a story about two awesome women and, yeah. you know, the men who love them. So like, okay. Yes. Everybody, all of our people in the hospitality industry, apparently we're telling you in all of this, just go watch Frozen 2. It'll be all right. Do it. It'll be okay. I love it. Allie, thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you. Hang out with that beautiful son of yours. And uh, and everybody, go check out 1145 AM on Instagram. Connect with that. And check yeah. out what Allie is cooking because it's always just, you just cook good food, Allie. You really do. Thank you. I try. Well, I have to eat it, so I try to make it good. That's the key. I like it. All right, Allie, have a great day. Thank you. Yes, Allie Rosen, host, author, thinker, and philosopher within the hospitality industry, Potluck with Allie. There is a uh, link to her website. Go check it out, and it'll take you to a lot of different really cool, really awesome content. She's into a lot of things, as we joked about. But she is into a lot of things, from, again, interviewing Tom Caligio and, and being comfortable enough to poke and prod him until he said that Charleston, her hometown, was the best place to film Top Chef, to Dr. Oz and being kind of the food investigator that she is on that show, to just making biscuits and scones with the kids, all of it and everything in between. And to be able to hold that stage, I think is important. So thanks as always, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.